it's Oblong Desk with me, John Tyndall, and Noakes is here as well. Hi, Noakes. Hi, John. Yes, we're back on the occasional table, aren't we? We are, yes. Uh, looking this time round at Now Dance 94, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Two discs to get our teeth into. And uh, yes, it's once again glow sticks at the ready and um, sweaty clubs and all that kind of stuff because uh, it was still very much a rave scene around 94, wasn't it? Yeah, still plenty of dance tunes uh, doing the business in the clubs, as they say, down with the kids, me. Um, and these two albums are... A kind of replacement, really, for the experiment they did the year before. You remember we did the Mega Rave and Mega Dance albums, which were similar single-disc affairs of dance tracks. Yeah, it feels to me like they, they've thought a little bit more about their branding now. To the extent where you used to get a different Now album every week with a different genre, and it did get a bit tedious when you'd seen the likes of the Grease Megamix and Happy by Pharrell Williams appear on multiple different types of Now albums, because things like that tend to appear on Party and on the relevant decades and on Pop and on Dance, and they they unfortunately have got to the stage now where they do recycle lots of things, but back then um, not so much. Um, Interestingly enough, I will refer later to another one-off experiment in the Now canon, as we uh, talk our way through these now dance CDs. But yeah, it, it did seem as if in 94 they decided to, you know, to get rid of all the experiments, the, the, the mega raves, the mega dances, even the one-off indie ones like Loaded, um, and have just core now dance products. Um, but the experiment with single discs wouldn't last very long. Again, I'll come back to that later. Lovely. Well, we should kick off then, because uh, we've got two discs um and the first one is of course volume one uh so what's that look like well if i was it, in the shop it's a, it looks like an explosion in a paint factory um there's uh, there's red predominantly red but also some blues and yellows going on it's kind of a a, a splodgy shape on the front i would say in in the background behind the uh, the usual now logo uh, and quite a nice italic uh, dance 94 uh, font i think going on there um the cover line this time is 19 of the greatest dance tracks it doesn't say from 94, so it's, it's almost like they're saying ever, <laughs> yeah. which, which is definitely not true. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think maybe given that 94 is in quite prominent place on the cover, perhaps they, they thought we'd work that out ourselves. Yes, they, they, they could have gone of the year or <laughs> yes. right now or so, something a little more. It just feel like it stops before it's ready. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, um, it was released on the 17th of January 94, so although we're, it's called 94 and, you know, that's when it was released, as you can imagine, a lot of these songs were hits at the back end of 93, um, or at least, you know, straddled the uh, the, the two years. Um, it did quite well in the charts, this. Um, number one in the compilation album chart for a couple of weeks isn't bad going, although admittedly, you know, that time of year, sales are not so high. Um, but still, it, it did okay, this one. Excellent. So let's kick off with track one. It's Long Train Running, the Sure Is Pure 7-inch edit from the Doobie Brothers. Well, 
track one of Now Dance 94 Volume 1 gets us underway rather nicely, I would say. That's the Shuri's Pure remix of the Doobie Brothers' Long Train Running. And much as the band are beloved of radio programmers everywhere, probably less so these days, but certainly back then they were, uh, this was their only top 10 hit. Their previous three top 40 hits all got no higher than number 29, and the original version of Long Train Running didn't even chart. So if you look in the chart books, this isn't officially credited as a remix because the original never charted in the first place although it is obviously now i think this is quite a good one uh sure is pure you remember did um two of the three sister sledge remixes from the year before so they definitely got the right people in to tackle this yeah i think i would agree with you um any remix needs to add something to the original and this definitely it it, it modernizes it but it keeps the spirit of the original and i think it, it introduces a new generation to what is a quality song with an iconic guitar riff that may or may not have influenced our very own theme tune a tiny little bit <laughs> uh, when I was struck. There's certainly a strumming pattern uh, which lends itself to the oblong desk. Yeah. But yeah, this ticks all the boxes for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And uh, having had a version done by Banana Rama a few years earlier, I think this is a, a lot more in keeping with the spirit of the original, let's say, than uh, than their not particularly convincing cover. Um, the one I preferred out of the two remixes, because they were two um, Doobie Brothers remixes, was the second one, actually, which was Motivate's remix of Listen to the Music, which is absolutely ridiculous. And this was one of the very early Motivate mixes before they became remixes of choice for the likes of Pulp uh, they did mixes for Dubstar and Motivate were everywhere, Sparks as well um, in a couple of years but um, it's a very early one, listen to the music number 37 and it's a real shame that that didn't make it onto the next Now Dance CD because it's just disappeared off the face of the earth It's a, unless you bought it at the time you, you're not going to get that on a compilation oh, the fickle finger of fate yeah. sometimes does that to people doesn't it um, track 2 then Let's move on to that. Culture Beat and Got to Get It. Yeah, I mean, I quite like this. Um, It was another, um, as discussed before, uh, MTV heavy rotation song uh, in the back end of 1993. Um, It has some mystifying lyrics, some of which I've deciphered over the years. Um, There's a weird voice towards the end, represented in the video by uh, Mr Punch style carnival toy i don't know really how to describe it um it sounds like they're saying here's something to y'all it's real hot not sure if that's really what they say um but uh, that that's never been uh, translated to me so i don't know and uh, there's another line which the male rapper does which for years i thought said out of my thoughts there go my mind and i thought well, that that's clearly someone foreign being amusing and mistranslating something. What he actually says is, out of my thoughts, let go of my mind, which makes a lot more sense. So right. a belated apology from me for, for thinking that this was a comedy foreigner moment. Well, do you know what? I had exactly the same thing as you with this in that if I tried to write a dance anthem in German, I'd probably come up with lyrics that made as little sense yes. as some of these <laughs> ones do here. Because, yeah, I was, I, you, you do, you go through it going, hmm, the female vocal is better than on Mr. Bain, but that male rapper is talking absolute nonsense. He's just saying English words. It's like, you know, when you go abroad and you see the T-shirts in the marketplace that have some English words on them. 
and yes. uh, they they very rarely make any sense whatsoever. This is the rap equivalent of that. Um, it's it, it is very similar to uh, Mr. Vane, uh, but I think it's better. Yeah. I think we're agreed on that one. I think it's my favourite Culture Beat song. Admittedly, that's a fairly small field, but uh, I I think it's uh, it's perfectly fine. Uh, track three isn't. Luckily, we've covered that before. It's M People moving on up again. Um, so instead, let's hear some of track four, which is this. This is Oblong Desk's occasional table playing you K-Class and let me show you the club mix. Uh, now, this is how to do it in, in stark contrast to M people who didn't know how to do it. Um, this is a nice bit of house piano, some repetitive lyrics and some excellent production. And it definitely passes the could you play it credibly in 2020 test. I think it still sounds fresh. Yeah, um, I think that's true. Uh, it's it's listed here as the the club mix. I think it's actually supposed to be the K club mix, um, and actually it isn't the full version. The, these are predominantly single versions on these albums. Uh, when there's a an extended version, we'll we'll let you know, or a remix, which there is sometimes. But this is just the single version. Um, it's it's a euphoric, dynamic dance anthem. I would say that's how I'd describe it. What I want to know is how on earth did it only get to number thirteen in the chart? You'd imagine that was top five. Nope. I don't know what people were buying at the time. I mean, I remember some of the singles that were out at the time included um, two Dina Carroll songs. We're back to her again. Both Meatloaf songs. Um, Mr. Blobby. And uh, what else was around at the time? I'm trying to think. Oh, the YMCA remix. I mean, obviously, these are all high quality things that deserve to chart higher than K-Class. I don't think. Yeah, but, you know, it's that time of year when people's quality senses and their threshold for what's good and what's, quote, funny. Yes. You know, I'm thinking particularly Mr. Blobby. People see a big pink blancmange thing and go, you know, <laughs> yeah, look at uh, that. Yeah, well, I should probably buy a record by him. Who oh, knows? Who oh, knows? I'm shrugging. I'm shrugging. You can't see this on the podcast, but I'm shrugging my shoulders and just going, what were you thinking, people? When, when as you say, this is here and is brilliant, and should have been bought in in more droves than it was. The, the the consolation, such as it is, is we both love it, and we're bigging it up here today. I'm sure they'll be delighted. More streaming opportunities for you, dear podcast listener. Please go and stream it now. Yes, and, do. And give K Class their 0.004 pence. <laughs> Track five, we've played you already. It's D Reams. Things can only get better. This is the Dreamix edit. Yeah, it's the single I mean, version, yeah. in other words. Track six, we haven't discussed before. It's DJ Duke's Blow Your Whistle. And uh, for my money, Roscoe and Flash should definitely have rounded this Duke boy up and cuffed him and stuffed him, because this isn't one that stood the test of time at all well. No, it hasn't, has it? I don't think Boss Hog would be uh, enjoying his uh, grits or chips or, or fries, I should say, or whatever it was he'd be eating at the time if he 
had this put on the jukebox behind him, would he? No, he wouldn't enjoy it at all. Not at all, no. 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 He, he used to, Boss Hogg used to eat a lot of uh, shrimp, as I remember. He did, didn't he? Yes, that's right. Yes. yes, he did, yes. But probably because he wanted to do something with his hands, I expect. He's, you know, one of those, one mm. of those high-quality actors. What, what am I saying? High-quality acting in Dukes of Hazard. Um, it is a quality programme, though. Um but uh, yeah, way better than this. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, this got to number fifteen, so uh, a whole two places lower than K Class, which is also slightly odd. Uh, the first of their two hits, though, absolutely no one on earth would remember the second one. I suspect um, it somehow manages to be really repetitive, even though the running time for this is less than three minutes. So that's an achievement, if nothing else. And strangely, for a song called "Blow Your Whistle," the whistle's really quite low in the mix. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And it, and it's not kind of like, it's not, so, I mean, you know, I, I can clearly see why they've done a song called Blow Your Whistle. People used to take whistles to nightclubs. Yeah. So, so that's why. But it's then, it's just, it's a woman saying blow your whistle, but then, then you would expect more to be made of the whistle. And it yeah. isn't, so it's just it's, so it's disappointing and rubbish. I'm not keen on whistling in general in any song. Roger Whittaker, not even Roger Whittaker. Well, I was going to say he he's he's allowed a free pass, but apart from him, um, you right. know, whistling usually ruins songs. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking Scorpions, Wind of Change here, um, particularly, and uh, the whistle song by Frankie Knuckles. That's rubbish as well. Um, so. Uh, I, I'm I'm torn. Uh, yes, you're right. It should probably be more whistle, but on the other hand, I'm quite glad there isn't. Whew, that's very confusing. Um, track seven is by a band who did have some confusion, but then <laughs> then followed that up. It's a homeboy, a hippie, and a funky dread with "Here We Go Again." It's quite commercial, this, isn't it? it it's it's a weird one. Um, it only got to number fifty-seven. Uh, I think it's it's not quite the only non-hit here. Um, there's another one, sort of, but we'll we'll come back to that later. Uh, this is the only one that was never a, to- a top forty hit. Let's say that uh, number fifty-seven peak, one of three singles that reached the uh, lower end of the top seventy-five. You already referred to one of them, which was called "Total Confusion." Um, yes, and and the, and their other hits, well, non-hits, were back in nineteen ninety. Um, so this is a, a bit of an outlier. They were basically professional public enemy rip-off merchants. So they always, in all three of their songs. That uh, that did tickle the lower reaches of the chart. They used Public Enemy samples. Um, no one really seems to know who they were. Um, I, I remember that Fergal Sharkey, in one of his particularly big-headed moments, of which there have been a fair few down the years, um, claimed that uh, the dance acts of the '90s were so faceless that he had some hits as uh, uh, an unknown dance act, and uh, just to prove how easy it was, but just never told anybody. Um, this is the kind of thing that Fergal Sharkey had put together, I reckon. Maybe this was him, although they weren't hits, obviously. Mm, I mean, I, I don't think it's actually bad. Um, I prepared to listen to it with a, a fair amount of horror. But as I say, it's a lot more commercial than Total Confusion was. But here's the thing. Talking about those public enemy samples, because they, they use Bring the Noise in this one. Yeah. Allegedly... I've listened all the way through this and then went back and listened again because I thought, oh, you know, that's that's a fairly obvious sample. I'm, I'm sure I'd recognise it. I can't for the life of me hear it uh, where they've used it at all. And I wonder if they just bought the sample uh, and then, like, you know, an impulse by, like, a bread maker. They've got it there, but they haven't <laughs> ever used it and it's still in the box somewhere. Because 
I mean, I, I say, I just can't. It hear is it. there. It is there. I think it? it's yeah. I, I think there's the odd back once again, which is Chuck D, and I think the Here We Go Again of the title is also in there occasionally, and that is that is from Bring the Noise. It's not the the best known bit of it, but it, it is. I think it is a genuine sample. Um, so I mean, I, I'm torn on this because I really, really like Public Enemy, and these people have basically. Sp- you know, spent an entire career ripping their stuff off um, to make songs out of it. So I, I'm i not overly keen, I have to say. Mate, at least they're paying them. Well, which is, you know, possibly. Nice. We don't know that, but maybe they did. They, well, they're, they're crediting they, them. They are crediting them on this one, at, at the very least. And I don't mind people using other people's stuff as long as they say. Yes. And say thank you. I think that's important. Thank goodness we've already covered K7's Come Baby Come, which uh, I, I believe won a Warnock. It was that bad. Um, so we'll move instead on to track nine, which is EYC and Feeling All Right, filling a new kid-shaped hole. Uh, and I'm not the right person to judge how successful they were in doing that, but I kind of get the impression that the music was secondary to the crotch grabbing and the the kind of flowing hair. And as we're not reviewing those things, really there's precious little else I can add because musically it's fairly vapid. Yeah, it is. Um, I haven't got much more to add, really. They are like shops own new kids, aren't they? I mean, the production is so blatantly uh, a rip-off of... Uh, of the stuff that was done for new kids um although it sounds more dated and cheap even then it sounded dated i thought and uh you know 26 years down the line uh definitely so um worth repeating though they had six top 40 singles six that was the first of them that was i, I imagine because that new kids hole was a fairly large one to fill yeah anything would go in there i mean you know it's very much like when there's a successful boy band over this side of the pond and louis walsh sees that that's happening (laughs) and goes oh you bet i could do one just as well but for half the price yeah Uh, you're right it was it it was definitely a new kids um kind of vacuum that that created the likes of eyc bad boys inc worlds apart there's there's no coincidence they all arrived more or less the same time Uh, and doing entirely the same thing interchangeable uh, stuff and, and, but that means you know the, the variety meant there was some gel haired floaty crotch grabbing good looking boy for every single girl in the world yes <laughs> and there's your cover line for this edition of Oblong Desk that's that sorted right okay shall we um, hear some more music I think we're going to hear some of the next one which is uh, track 10 Ice Tea that's how I'm living. I took on the ice name, but the clip game moved too slow. Especially for a brother who was hooked on quick dough. Then one night late, I was in a car wreck and was lucky to escape. Hospital for 10 weeks in a bed. Almost dead. And when I got well, I got caught in a cross and got locked in a jail cell. That's how I'm living. Oblong Desk's Occasional Table, that's what you're listening to, and we're reviewing Now Dance 94 Volume 1 at the moment with Ice-T. That's How I'm Living, the On The Rocks remix. Uh, I find myself contrasting this with uh, the theme tune to The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, because it's a sort of similar kind of story-based thing about moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. Uh, uh, But this this really didn't turn out well for Ice-T, particularly when you contrast it with how Will Smith 
and his life turned out. It's definitely engaging and it's worth listening to all the way through, I think, at least once. Um, but, yeah, he, he wasn't having a happy time of it. No, um, I do like a good story song. And uh, as you say, this is one of those. The version on here, by the way, is the version that got played on the radio, but it's the full version of it. So it's about a minute longer. So it's not really an extended remix as such, but it's just they haven't given you the edit version. Um, I kind of like it, actually. It's his first top 40 hit, this. Um, He had a brief commercial phase. I don't know if you remember the follow-up sample, Chibi LaBelle's. Got yeah. a lot of love, I think it was called. So he's almost decided to go down that kind of route. So it was a fairly big hit. Got to number 21, this. And the the best bits for me are the bits where the music breaks down and he just says a particularly uh, quality iced tea phrase. My favourites being, wrong place, which is quite scary, the way he says it, much scarier than the way I do it. And, of course, it was Fly. Of all the ices that there were, because there were a few yeah, yeah. Ice rappers cube. around. Vanilla ice. Uh, ice yeah. cube, vanilla ice, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm sure some more versions of ice that were around. I think iced tea was probably my favourite of those three. Uh, yeah. And, and certainly did some more interesting stuff. Um, obviously, you have to put vanilla ice in a different <laughs> bracket. <laughs> yes. Vanilla being the operative word. Yes. Um, and uh, I mean, I think, uh, as has been said before, uh, the state of the music industry where he was the most commercially successful of the Ices has a lot more to do with racism and that kind of thing than it does to do with talent, which hopefully, hopefully kids will be addressed as we go through life. And it's your job to do it. To be fair, um, not many radio stations were likely to play a terrible amount of Ice Cube songs because they were usually a bit sweary, which didn't help. Ice-T toned it down a bit for things like this, but Ice Cube pretty much never did. So that that uh, that didn't help his cause in terms of radio play. Mm. And mind you, Vanilla Ice was constantly going on about shooting things, and, and yet that was okay. <sighs> what a twisted world we live in. Uh, track 11 is the Urban Cookie Collective Feels Like Heaven. We've talked about that already. Go back and listen to another desk that that was on. And instead, right now, track 12, we're going to play a bit of it. It's U2 and the Perfecto Mix of Lemon. You too, and the perfecto mix of Lemon, and you get all of it on this uh, album as well. It's track 12 on Now Dance 94, Volume 1. So this is an album track from Zeropa that was remixed again by uh, Perfecto. Second time they'd done that for U2. The difference was this wasn't released officially as a single. It was released as a promo to DJs, as you'd expect, to get played in the clubs. And if you recognise the melody that um, Paul Oakenfold has added to this, he reused it later for adverts for Orange uh, mobile phones. And then that got reworked for a different song by his band Grace. 
So it had quite a long lifetime, the, the melody to this. But in terms of the song itself, it's not quite the same as even better than the real thing. It's not in that league, but I think it's a good dance remix of a fairly average album track. I'll tell you what the worst thing about me this is for me, uh, and it'll come as no surprise. It, it's Bono, <laughs> yeah. because virtually, virtually all the other elements of what you two do, do uh, particularly at this stage, lend themselves really quite nicely to being dancified. You know, the Edge used a lot of um, effects on his guitar work uh, and, and was already yeah. sort of moving at this point into that more rhythmical and repetitive and produced guitar sound. Very famously, Bill Bailey says that if you unplug a U2 guitar and just play it, you know, play it straight, you end up with him doing three blind mice, <laughs> whilst all the other stuff is in the production element. Uh, but yeah, so 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 that lends itself to dance music, which is fantastic. And Paul Oakenfold is, is you know a godlike genius at this sort of thing. But the rock wailing from Bono. It just jars horribly, I think, on this. It's like it doesn't fit. It, it spoils what is otherwise a kind of really decent instrumental dance track. Uh, and you're left thinking, not for the first time, shut up, Bono. Just shut up. Is it is it just the wailing, or, or do you also object to his falsetto of Lemon as well? Uh, I, if they just turned the entire vocal off and I could just enjoy the rest of the track as an instrumental i think that would work really rather well well you can it's on the as i said it's on the grace album there's <laughs> there's an instrumental and a vocal version of the one that uh, was later used on the orange advert so uh, so you can indeed use that excellent i will go and do that yeah by the way lemon becomes orange very clever isn't it see what they did there. Uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah right next yes uh, uh, mm. More more old-style uh, music, not so much rock in this case, more pop. Frankie goes to Hollywood, and uh, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome is track 13. As it says here, and it is correct, we've, we've discussed before where remixes and not-not-remixes have got confused, uh, the original 7-inch A-side, that's exactly what it is. They did remix it. Uh, the remix made number 18. Like the Relax remix, it wasn't very good, so I'm actually grateful for Ashley that he's popped the original on here instead, which in itself is kind of a dance track, really. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, it's really good, um, but it is from the mid-'80s, and, and we're now in the mid-'90s, and remix or no. See, we've got this this argument that we had last time around. Why would you celebrate something that isn't good enough because it's the remix that should be on here, because that's the thing from 94. So you're basically saying, right, the people who did that job, you were rubbish. But this is around now, so we'll put the original on just to highlight how rubbish you were at doing this remix. I, Therefore, if the remix isn't good enough, don't put it on the album, would be my argument, because all this does to me when I see Welcome to the Pleasure Dome original, I go, but that's like from... What was it, 84, 85? 85. Like Pleasure Dome was 85, yeah. And you go, well, yeah, this is this is a snapshot of nine years later. Uh, don't want a song from it. It's like, it's like, you know, when you see random 80s songs that have been re-released on 90s covers, it, it sticks out. Hmm. And you go, well, what, why is that on here? Unless it's been remixed if it's just been reissued then it exists in a different time yeah 
kind of see what you, see what you're saying. On the other hand, from a point of view as a uh, as a compilation fan, as a completist, uh, this one doesn't turn up very often on compilations. Full stop. And um, given how often the wrong versions of Frankie Goes to Hollywood tracks get included on compilations, as far as I can tell, this is genuinely the original A-side. So it's not a bad thing to have it if you're a collector. In terms of the overall package, yes, uh, I I see what you're saying. It does kind of stick out a bit, particularly when we get back to the very, very 94-style dance track that's on uh, next, which is Alex Party. And here's a story and a half. On here, it's called Alex Party, bracket Saturday Night Party. Now, this version spent six weeks in the top 75, but uh, only got to number 49. It was reissued later in 1994 as Saturday Night Party, brackets Read My Lips, when it got to number 29. Then they put some vocals on top of it and reissued it again in a different form as Read My Lips 96, when it got to number 28. So whichever way you cut it, it wasn't the biggest hit in the world, but it had some staying power, and I've always liked this. I've, I always like Alex Party stuff in general, so... Right, because uh, for me, Don't Give Me Your Life was the essential dance track, and for me, this feels like it's a backing track for that, uh, which may explain why they keep coming back at it, because, you know, it's got, it's got that sound to it. It's vocally that it's missing something for me. Well, you might like the 96 version then, because that's got that that's got the vocalist from "Don't Give Me Your Life" on it added on the top. So that's that's probably the most commercial version. Yeah, do you know what? It feels like they only ever had one song. And they just <laughs> kept basically tweaking little bits of it to see to see which version of it floated the most. And we all know which version did float the most, and that was "Don't Give Me Your Life." Yeah. Um, it's not bad. But it could do better, and I feel like this is, yes, as you say, an early, an early version of something of which there was better to come. Uh, so, uh, but it did. So that's all good then. Yeah. I haven't heard of this next one, track fifteen, at all, and had to go and listen to it. Um, Exoterics and satisfy my love. Uh, is this a non-hit or? It is a non-hit. Yes. Um, I've, I failed to count my non-hits correctly earlier. There's actually three on here, but if you discount Alex Party because it was a hit later on in a only very slightly different form, um, this is your second proper non-hit yeah it was on here as a pre-release track it was one of ashley's punts didn't quite pay off got to number 62 and it's nothing to write home about really you're not missing anything if you've never heard this before yeah you say that but but the vocal's good for me it's got some you know good standard issue 90s house elements and it's nicely produced there's nothing wrong with it and there's several worse things that have charted um, I, I feel like, you know, for it to be a complete non-hit is slightly unfair and maybe something, you know, in the in the lower reaches of the 20s or the, yeah, the, the, no, the top, yeah. top, top yeah. three. It, it's, it's better than a non-hit. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And and when you say there's, there's um, worse things that uh, got higher up the chart. Oh, look, here's track 17. It's Sagat with Funk Dat. Now, see if you can work out, listener, which word has been changed to make this radio friendly. Mm. It's interesting, this one. Uh, it's sort of reasonably engaging as an idea for about the first 30 seconds where you go, oh, he's got some issues and things like that. And he's, he's talking about these these things that are getting him upset but then it becomes like a really sort of random edition of question time from <laughs> some you, you know when they have to go to no. somewhere horrible like Hull uh, and and they go 
Why does the panel keep handing me flyers? Why are the panel asking me for loose change? And the only answer that he has for all this is, funk that. So ultimately, it's just a lot of moaning about stuff over a hip-hop backing track. And, and I have enough... I've got teenagers. I have enough moaning about <laughs> stuff going on in my life without this. I so, think, uh, yes. It is, I know what you mean. I, I would say it's more like modern points of view. And in fact, I'd quite like to see Jeremy Vine host an edition of Points of View. where And he'd be quite reasonable in his responses to do this. He did just say, funk dat to every single letter. Moaning about, I don't know, how much snooker's on the television or how, how wonderful Poldark is. Can we have more of that, please? Um, type letters that he gets. I'd, I'd, I'd actually watch that. I wouldn't want to listen to this song again, though. No, no. Um... Next one's a little bit of a, a weird one as well. Judy Cheeks uh, with So In Love, brackets, the real deal, brackets off, brackets on again, Frankie Fonsett radio edit, brackets off. Mm. And I've done that because I don't feel that there needs to be that much explanation of anything. It's just so <laughs> in love. Um, there's a nice soul vibe running through it, uh, and the melody's not bad either, but I, I think the thing that, again, for me, lets this down is the vocal. I think she's got a fairly thin reedy kind of voice yeah it's very average stuff um we've got a run of singles at the back end of this album that all got in the mid-20s sagat got to number 25 this one was 27 um and that's about right for it i would say it's it's one of those anthemic diva type tracks uh as you say not the right kind of voice for it maybe she's no dina carroll or someone in that vein who could uh, give it some welly it's all right i mean she she comes back a few times for some more similar sounding songs so we haven't seen the last of judy cheeks and we certainly haven't seen the last of uh, the artist who pops up at the end of the album now we were saying weren't we uh, last time out on the main desk about now 27 ending with a damp squib and uh, here we go again really track 19 is i wish by gabrielle strangely pedestrian mm. for a dance album uh, uh, unless this is kind of ashley abraham's idea of a, a sort of end of the night disco smooch oh track. yeah wind down could be possibly yeah. uh well, yeah i mean the thing is you're not going to be playing this in a club you're going to be playing this at home and therefore he must have had in his mind that it was the end to a romantic evening but yeah. then the date would have done a runner after Sagat, wouldn't she so <laughs> well, yes, the, the, point, run out the, room, yeah. the, <laughs> the point is moot and that is the end of now dance 94 volume one but fear not there's more to come It's Oblong Desk's Occasional Table, and John and I this time are reviewing the first two Now Dance 94 volumes. We've done number one, so logically we're on to volume two now, which has the great, unique, not quite tagline, 20 of the greatest dance tracks. Again, I'm not sure if that's supposed to mean <laughs> ever, or just in the first kind of quarter of 94 Do you know what sometimes sometimes mate i write something and i think <laughs> that works i'll use it again <laughs> yeah fair enough um the the cover actually they talking about reusing stuff uh the way the now and the dance 94 are laid out is very very similar to volume one they've they've used um more or less exactly the same size and the same font for those uh the backgrounds uh slightly odd though i would call it uh, a blue doctor who vortex were you to invent one in the rave era? It's a little bit uh, head-expanding. Interesting. Released on 7th of March 1994, so we're still in the very early days of the year. Uh, now, the chart performance for this one, 
not exactly what you'd call spectacular. It entered the compilation album chart at number 11, so much so that I was flicking through my compilation album chart book and going, where is it? I can't find it because I've been looking in the top five. I was panicking, thinking, it must be there some... Oh, number 11. Okay, then. Um, There were five other new entries in the chart that week, so they picked a really, really bad time to release it. And one of those new entries, I promised I'd come back to this earlier, was Now That's What I Call Love which is a very short-lived effort to move into a completely different field, so short-lived that it lasted for one volume. Um, This compilation did move up the album chart to number eight, but only spent five weeks in the top 20. And I think this relative failure is why Ashley decided to switch around what he was doing with Now Dance again later in the year. But that's one for a future uh, edition. So let's um, let's rattle through the first tracks, shall we? Because the first seven, uh, we've covered them all already, haven't we? Yeah, and and this may well be a clue as to why this didn't perform well. The fact that there are so many duplications of tracks that had appeared either on other now albums or other compilation yeah. albums, perhaps. Anyway, here here we go. Let's rattle through them. Track one, two unlimited. Let the beat control your body. Uh, track two, E seventeen. It's all right. Three is uh, I like to move it from Real to Real, featuring the Mad Stuntman. The Urban Cookie Collective, they're back again, Sail Away. Uh, Eternal Save Our Love, Shara Nelson's Uptight, and Carleen Anderson's Nervous Breakdown. Those are your tracks yeah. one through seven. Just quickly, um, just quickly, go on just if I interject. Um, they're all the same versions that you'd expect to have on other compilations, as you said, including now 27, except for Urban Cookie Collective, which is a different mix. It says on there, I think it's, what's it, Funk Mix Edit. So they've taken a 12-inch version and just chopped it down a bit. It's okay, actually. It's it's a reasonable alternative to the single version, but there's not, not much more to say about it. Cool. Uh, track eight, then. Let's delve into this one. Uh, River Ocean featuring India uh, with Love and Happiness, and I'm going to give this a go in brackets, Yamaya Iokan. I, I would say that's probably bang on. That's how I would have said it. So well well done on tackling that. Yeah, it's um not a hit, this. Got to number 50. Uh, India was a bit of a guest vocalist for hire in the mid-90s. She turned up on a, a few singles later on in the decade, some of which were actually hits. This is little Louis Vega, who was a big dance producer at this time in one of his disguises. Uh, it doesn't do much, this, for me. I remember it was given a big push at the time. I think it was expected to be a top 40 hit. Um, but it's kind of a bit wishy-washy it's a cross between a club track and something like enigma isn't it with sort of um ethnic chanting and stuff in the background and it doesn't really quite hang together yes yes i'd written the word ethnic down on this one and i didn't mean it as a compliment uh because it's very confused for me it's sort of got african rhythms and then there's a middle eastern style vocal possibly some indian instruments thrown in as well you imagine someone's like gone round to andy kershaw's house in the middle of the night and rifled through his record collection but blindfolded <laughs> and then taken whatever came out back to their mixing studio and uh, and sort of thrown it together whether or not it worked and for me it doesn't i don't think the right elements are there it's not awful no but it's not brilliant either 
No, I, I think that's a, a more than fair summary. Track nine we've covered. Um, it's Juliet Roberts again with I Want You. Now, it says Monster Album Mix as if it's the full version. It isn't. It's the edit again, so we don't need to talk about that. Instead, we'll talk about a surprise reappearance for Sub Sub on track 10, which is Respect. Yeah, reasonably pleasing, I thought. Uh, and there's something quality about about sub sub but this ain't no ain't no love (laughs) well said no it isn't Uh, it's not got melanie williams singing on it for a start i don't know who is actually singing but it's definitely not her um a very belated follow-up so it came out more or less a year after the hit which uh, you just mentioned and you got to number 49 so another non-hit that's uh two out of the last three tracks um ashley slung it on here as a pre-release so um he didn't know it wasn't going to be a hit to be fair probably thought it would be again uh it's got that sound of the time and you you think maybe it could have just ducked inside the top 40 but presumably it was this that prompted the rest of the band to just throw all their throw all their keyboards away buy some guitars and become doves because that's what happened not long after this yeah absolutely uh because it's good enough as you say to chart and and if people didn't want that then fair enough go off and try something different i think we should play the next one what do you reckon yeah shall we have some of track 11 it's demob and kathy dennis You're listening to Oblong Desk's Occasional Table with Noakes and John Tyndall, and we're reviewing the Now Dance 94 Volume 2 compilation album this edition. We've just played your D-Mob with Kathy Dennis, and why, to my mind, Kathy Dennis is insufficiently lauded in the great pantheon of British music. She never released a Duff record. She's got a really quality voice. And let's just reel off these songs that she wrote. Toxic, Can't Get You Out of My Head, I Kissed a Girl, Reach, Sweet Dreams My LAX, to name but a few. Actually, this, ironically, isn't the greatest example of her work, but nevertheless, it's still a really strong vocal and an entirely pleasant way to spend four minutes of your life. Yeah, I think it uh, underperformed this one, actually. So, uh, if you recall, they'd collaborated uh, about five years earlier on Come On And Get My Love, which got to number 15. Yeah, brilliant song. Yeah, it is. Great song. Late in 89. Uh, there was another D-Mob Kathy Dennis collaboration, actually, not long after that. That's The Way Of The World. Got to number 48 in 1990. Um, wasn't brilliant, to be fair, so I can see why it wasn't a top 40 hit. Uh, this was, but it only got to number 23, and I think it should have done much better than that. I, I don't think it got got much of a push whether that was the record company or uh, radio stations maybe thought uh, D-Mob are yesterday's news I mean this was their last hit so you know perhaps it was something to do with that but um, it's a shame I think it deserved to go top 20 at the very least and you know there's there's a lot worse that went top 10 around the same time so give it another listen because I think it's uh, it's a decent one that Oh, definitely dig it out, yes. Uh, you probably don't need to dig out and, and replay to death track 12, though. That's Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, and Can't Wait to Be With You, the Brixton Flavour Radio Mix, which is just the radio edit. I'm, I'm not of, sure it is, uh, you know. Uh, I, I was listening to it and thinking, I no, I think it's missing a couple of things. I, I, it, 
just didn't sound quite right to me. Maybe there were two different radio mixes that were knocking around. It's not the one I remember, although it's not far off. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what you would expect from Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. It's Luther Vandross backing track this time (laughs) round, and Will Smith chatting over it about his cellular phone uh, and other trappings of his successful life. I mean, it's formulaic. There's nothing wrong with a formula that sells records and... They weren't going to change because I went. Do you think you could try something different? <laughs> then they're going to go. No, actually, we know what we're doing. We're we're fine. We're good. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's a, it's another pre-release track, but this one was a bit more of a successful punt. Only just though. Number twenty nine is a bit lower than you might have expected for uh, something that uses a sample. In this case, as you say, Luther Vandross never too much in a, in a fairly good way. I mean, it's it's it is standard Will Smith fare that we'd uh, come to uh, get used to for the rest of the decade, either in this form or in his uh, under his own name. So uh, yeah, it's okay. Doesn't pull up any trees, but it's all right. Mm, Unlike ah yeah. <laughs> oh, yes mm. yes um, track thirteen is is what you're referring to mm. and Joe. Joe, surely the shortest name on here, uh, with I'm in love, L-U-V. I already have a problem with that. But we're into the part of the album now where you keep expecting words like Fly Girl and West Side to pop up in the lyrics. Actually, I I didn't mind it. Really? Yeah, it's 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 very summery. Uh, none of the cars have roofs. All the girls are hanging around waiting to be admired by big guys with lots of chains around their necks. And I suppose because I was listening to it on one of those particularly warm, sunny afternoons where, you know, if I closed my eyes, I potentially could have been in South Central LA. Was it fly? Possibly. It definitely was. Mm. Um, then, yeah, I can imagine on a rainy afternoon in Preston, this doesn't really work. <laughs> Rainy afternoon in Preston. There's an idea for a follow-up hit for Randy Crawford, if ever I heard one. Um, <laughs> Joe, uh, yeah, he had a few uh, R&B hits. You see, this is my problem with this. It's R&B, really. It's not dance. It shouldn't be on here. Um, as R&B tracks go, it's okay. It's pretty straight down the middle, really. Not spectacular, not terrible. Got to number 22, so it was a reasonable hit, bigger than some of the ones around it on this album. So, all right, I suppose, but I wouldn't have stuck it on here. All right. I, I didn't mind it. As I say, I surprised myself. Um, track 14 is one that I remember from the time. It's Spiritual Love from Urban Species, which is so, so laid back that it almost stops at points, uh, just wafts over you. Uh, yeah, and if you were kind of annoyed by the R&B element, then how do you feel about trance? Yeah, um, are you asking me personally or are you asking the listener as a rhetorical question? both okay um yeah i i don't mind this uh i think it's okay it's uh it's one of those isn't it it's uh, a mellow laid-back groove again for a summer's day oh absolutely. yeah i mean it's a it, it's another pre-release this one was a moderate hit got to number 35 i don't mind it it's all right so it it fits quite well next to joe i'll give it that given that enigma are on here you would have thought they would be up next but um weirdly uh, they're not for some reason no see I, I i think that you can't have it both ways either this is like a proper dance album or it's dance unquote in its many genres in which case mm. you're allowed r&b and trance as well and it's a reflection of all that is going on in the club scene okay there you go. well that's obviously what ashley was no, thinking that's at my the time yeah that well i'm with him on this one then uh yeah track 15 our next one is certainly in that area 
of dance where you don't dance much. It's the orb and perpetual dawn, and we're going to play you a little chunk of it. That's The Orb and Perpetual Dawn, track 15 on Now Dance 94, volume 2, which we're reviewing right now. And um, I said that Enigma would probably have been a better choice to come off the back of Urban Species, but this is not a million miles away from that style of music, I suppose, not as laid back. Uh, This song originally got to just number 61 in 1991. Uh, Then Little Fluffy Clouds was a massive hit and they reissued it and it made number 18. And I've always had a soft spot for this one. I actually prefer it to... Uh, little fluffy clouds it it may be my favorite uh, track by the orb although i do have a soft spot for blue room yeah um it's certainly the most up tempo from them you could almost almost get off your seat and dance to this i like it lots uh from the silly burbling uh, to the soulful <laughs> chorus and, and the chunky bass line. Uh, there's a lot to like. They fit it together quite well. And, uh, yeah, for the orb, it's surprisingly up-tempo and, and almost danceable. It is, Remarkable. and... Um and and you can you can skank to it, can't you? It's more it, it's more of a kind of ska style rhythm than it is a traditional dance song. Yeah, yeah. As I say, it's, it's well interesting, and, and uh, yeah, certainly they did always do stuff that was interesting. So yeah, check it out in full. Why not? I, uh, Oblong Desk recommends. Yeah. Um, track sixteen, we've already covered. That's Enigma's Return to Innocence, and there's yet more of our ambience to come uh, with track 17 which we're going to play you a bit of now it's Atlantic Ocean and Water Track 17 on Now Dance 94 Volume 2 is that one from Atlantic Ocean. It's Waterfall, and if I didn't read out the bit in brackets here, I would be doing myself and the desk a serious disservice. So here we go, brackets, radio edit by Simon Sadler for Mark Goodyear on 1FM, close brackets, because of course it was 1FM in those days. Quite why that's part of the mix title, I don't know, but it's appeared on several compilations with that that subtitle. Um, So clearly people thought that was an important part of of the mix. Presumably this uh, Simon Sadler, who was his producer, I I assume, um, must have heard this track in Europe and, and got them to do a special edit of it, I I assume from that. Mm, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm I'm fairly sure though that in my days producing down in London for the BBC, we used to occasionally use Mark Goodyear's studios. Uh, wise oh, the Buddha. Wise Buddha, yeah, yeah. And I'm fairly sure that the Simon Sadler in question was also working around there at that time. Mm. Um, and and so, so certainly, certainly, I mean, Goodyear was definitely moving. 
uh, and had fingers in many pies as well yeah. as being a DJ. He clearly had seen, you know, the writing was on the wall as far as Radio 1 was concerned. He wasn't going to be there forever and was definitely moving more into this kind of thing. Uh, and I wonder whether this all is starting to be, because Wise Buddha moved into both radio production but also sound design and, yes, and yeah. remixing as well. Yeah. So, So I wonder if this is sort of the beginnings of that it could be it could be there was a very successful series of compilations which we won't cover um on oblong desk because they're mixed they're not you know individual tracks called in the mix which started in 96 and had wise buddha's logo plastered all over them and specifically mentioned mark goodyear and i think possibly simon sadler i could be wrong um in the credits so it seems like this was yeah the beginning of that journey into well here's where the world's going with dance music let's have some of that and they couldn't yeah. have picked a better track to start with really because this is uh, you said ambient uh, it's pushing it a bit because it's not laid back enough to be ambient i wouldn't say but it it's it's got that kind of quality to it it's just very fast so it's like a european high energy dance version of it i suppose still sounds good this i reckon uh, i'm so, i was surprised to see it only got to number 22 i thought it got higher than that um there was a 96 remix which did get one place higher which i have no recollection of whatsoever but this is the original and and best version mm, i mean for me it's not it's not the greatest thing i don't think it's the most interesting it builds nicely certainly and you can certainly see it being played in a club it's got that thing that goes up and up and up a, a notch every time um and you can see people being worked up into some sort of dance frenzy by being played in a club but for me just doesn't quite have enough interest in the in in the melody okay no fair I, enough. I get it I, a bit repetitive i think um, i mean it's 90 billion times better than track 18 <laughs> which is um the music's got me by bass bumpers Yes. I've written down two words for this. I've written down club, and my second word is fodder. Yeah, I thought fodder might come into it somewhere. Yes, um, I see what you mean. Uh, German and UK joint uh, collaborators on this one. Uh, inevitably, this was huge in Europe. You can tell it's got that kind of sound that just always went down well in the uh, Germanic-speaking countries on the continent. Uh, got to number 25 here, so did better than you might have expected. Um, it uses a segment of uh, Seal's The Beginning, uh, namely the bit that goes, the music's got me spinning around and around, hence the title of the song. Um, but doesn't credit it, I don't think. I'm just going to double-check that as I have the CD in front of me, but I'm I'm pretty sure it, it doesn't. So we were talking about people being good in crediting their sources. Um, let's have a look. It does not, so that's a bit naughty. Disgusting, yes. Uh, track 19, which is Barbara Tucker's Beautiful People, I wrote down three words for, <laughs> and two of them were exactly the same uh, as for the previous track, and the only other word that I wrote down was further club fodder <laughs> yeah it's in the it's same it's not great at all is <laughs> no it? it's in the same vein as judy cheeks can you imagine if they got together and did a duet cheeks and tucker i would i would have paid <laughs> money just to see that on a cd single i wouldn't want to listen to the the output but uh no. yeah or or, or or tuck your cheeks in they could have called it i don't know but anyway uh missed opportunity uh, as is this song uh, another pre-release uh, an ashley punt which was a reasonable success, got to number 23, but has nothing particularly remarkable for us to talk about whatsoever. Instead, let's play the very final track on this disc, which is by Joey Negro, and it's called What A Life. Oh, 
that's the final track on Now Dance 94 Volume 2, which we've been reviewing here on Oblong Desk Occasional Table. That's what a life. Um, you don't have to say it in that way. Uh, I could just say it normally, couldn't I? What a life by Joey Negro. And that is the third and final non-hit on this album. Joey Negro is really producer Dave Lee. Just Dave Lee, not not the other one. Uh, no. no. No, no, no hairy cornflakes going on there. Um, he'd had two minor top 40 singles earlier in the decade in the more ravey era. Uh, that song that we just played you a bit of didn't even make the top 75, which I think is a crying shame because it's by far the most surprising thing here. If you were looking at the tracks on this and you had on your Ashley Abram bingo card cover versions of Gibson Brothers hits from the 70s um, then I would be quite surprised because that's what it is it's a cover of the even more amusingly titled ooh exclamation mark what a life by the Gibson Brothers which uh, was a top 10 hit in 79 which I've always loved and feeds into the fact that I think this is actually really quite entertaining yeah you see I I wasn't aware that it was a cover uh, and I wrote down oh do you know what I really like the 70s 80s disco feel with the strings uh, which just goes to show that uh, I I like the Gibson brothers I guess Um, although I do like Cuba Cuba yeah yeah Yes. Um, it doesn't feel, though, like it was much of a life for old Joey Negro on the basis of the rest of the song. For me, it, it's it's a little bit something and nothing. Uh, the strings do lift it, and it does have that kind of like Stock Aiken and Waterman feel mm. to it a little, which, you know, is good in a way. And again, with the last few tracks on here, with, with this and the previous two, I get the strong impression that Ashley was maybe going through a little bit of a Friday afternoon, I should be somewhere else, (laughs) and said to the now intern, right, come on then, stick whatever you like on there, because we're going down the pub, but just don't ruin it. Possibly. And left them to it. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, there is, after Atlantic Ocean, just that kind of filler feel to this whole end of the album. And that's a fair chunk of this, to to leave to chance it's, i think it's and, a better when, it's a better three track salvo than the end of the first volume though because mm. you've got sagat which is pretty dreadful then you've yeah. got a couple of pretty average soul based tracks whereas this one you've got a euro dance song then you've got a kind of diva house thing and then you've got this which is kind of commercial trying to be a commercial pop dance thing it's a bit more varied it's a bit more interesting uh, and i would argue that the tracks are slightly better but i know what you mean it's it it was clearly never going to be a massive hit this i am surprised it didn't make the top 75 though i think it, it, it i'm absolutely gobsmacked that it didn't at least get somewhere um because it's not that bad but um but it, it does have that feel of here's a big pile of uh you know new releases that are coming mm. out in the next week or so have a listen to these see which one you think should go on the end a little bit so i, I kind of get what you're saying yes there, there, there goes volume two. We've got through the lot of them, and uh, it's a tricky choice for me because this is what we do at the end, folks. If you're new to Oblong Desk, uh, we pick our favourite track. Noakes picks one, I pick one. Sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not. Struggling, I have to say, because not because they're bad albums per se, but because we've reviewed quite a lot of the really strong contenders we already um, uh, and and so it will be left to one of the tracks that we haven't reviewed before and in that regard I've got a couple 
but I need a little more time. So can All you right. go first? I, I, I can indeed, because I've already made my decision. I think volume one hits the mark a bit better than volume two for me. Uh, admittedly, there are fewer that we've covered on volume one, which makes it easier um, to have a pool to pick from. Uh, but I think there are some big hitters on volume one, which other than the ones we've already covered on volume two, there's not so much. Um, for me, it's quite an easy decision, this. Uh, so I'm going for what is the purest, most euphoric dance moment on either of these two albums, which for me is K-Class. And let me show you. Oh, a good choice. A good choice. Um, I'm basically torn now between being um, really, really cool and down with the kids, but, but only because I've discovered it really properly this time round, or one that I liked at the time. Uh, and still like now so it's between iced tea and that's how i'm living which i which i get i really really have to admit would be something that i've just listened to now and go wow that's really good or the doobie brothers long train running yeah which, well, there's nothing wrong know, with that there's two sides of my life and i'm either going <laughs> to be, do you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm, i hate people who are like Oh, I really like this from from five minutes ago. I need more time before I can justify liking iced tea. I really do, and who knows? Ten years from now, if I still like it, then I might change my mind. But no, Doobie Brothers it is, long train running. A good good choice, and I think, you know, you should always go with your gut, and it sounds like that's the one you've always liked. And, you know, unlike many, many po-faced music journalists down the years have tried to say, there is nothing wrong with commercial pop or dance tracks at all. They are perfectly fine. You don't have to dislike them because they're somehow not cool. That's that's the name of the game. Be true to yourselves, yeah. oblong desk listener. And, Do that. And thus endeth the lesson. So then I suppose we need to wrap up and uh, remind the listener of uh, how they can get in touch with us. Yep. As usual, you can contact us at the Oblong Desk on Facebook or Twitter. And our website is oblongdesk.podbean.com, where you can download every edition of the desk that there's been you can have a look at the tracks that we've liked before the tracks we haven't and there's a little bit of info about me and Noakes, uh, all sorts of things to entertain yourself oblongdesk.podbean.com you can also subscribe and then when we do one of these in the future instead of you having to go and find it it finds you which i think is remarkable marvelous that's good and uh, that's uh, almost it then. So we've uh, we've dealt with our first batch of uh, Now Dance albums for 94. There will be more forthcoming. Uh, but next time we speak to you, we'll be talking about uh, something else. So until then, it's bye from me. And I will see you as well. ta Oblong Desk's Occasional Table is written, presented and produced by Noakes and John Tyndall with original music by John. Subscribe to the podcast at oblongdesk.podbean.com and never miss an episode. Oblong Desk.